The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. The passage for our sermon today is Exodus 12, verses 1 through 28. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb." Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you, When I strike the land of Egypt, this day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold an assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened breads. For on this day, this very day, I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever." In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. 
Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. God, we thank you for your word. The story of your grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage, for your Passover, for the grace that you extend to all of us. May we rest in it this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Does it strike you as odd, these instructions that God is giving to these people? This is prior to uh, Leviticus being written. They did not have all of these rituals and ceremonies, and God is telling them to paint their door with blood. Not only that, but if they don't paint their door with blood, death will enter into their home. That's kind of scary. That that God is going to bring a plague, a final plague, that death is coming for the firstborn, and they must, what, paint with blood to prevent death, certain death from coming. If you were an Israelite hearing these words from Moses, there would be a degree of faith that you would have to exercise, trusting it's going to work. In the book of Hebrews, the passage we read in the New Testament reading, it talks about faith, how Moses was spared by faith, how the people of God left Egypt and were taken out of slavery by faith, how by faith they had participated in the Passover. What, what is faith? What, that's a word that we throw out there often. What, what is faith? You know, I could give you a definition, but uh, sometimes I think a story is a little bit easier to digest. Uh, when my brothers and I were 
younger, living together uh, in, at home, uh, I, I had attended this workshop in which I was taught how people who are acting and might be on stage, stage fight, and how to throw a punch on stage. And, and so I was taught, you know, that you, you want to line things up so that your back is to the audience and the person you're going to hit is facing them. And, and then you want to make sure that, you know, at, when you throw that punch, you're not actually going to hit them, right? They're out of range. And there was this technique that we were taught where you stand there and you... And, and with the hand that no one can see, you make the noise so that when the person who doesn't actually get struck is hit, and they go, ah! It looks real. Well, I was very excited about this newfound uh, skill, and informed my youngest brother, David, that this was going to be awesome. And so, we stood facing each other. One of us was exercising faith. It wasn't me. <laughs> um, when you do this, you shouldn't lean. <laughs> it was an accident. Uh, he is a black belt in Taekwondo, and I am thankful that he is a forgiving brother and did not respond the way he might have when we both discovered that placing faith in your older brother is not always wise. <laughs> all of us, all of us live by faith because God created us to do so. God made us to be dependent people. Ultimately, all of us are depending upon something because we were made to depend on God. But as sinful people, often we place our trust in the wrong thing and we can get burned. It's Black Friday. Cyber Monday! Woo! One of the things that we are placing our faith in here and now. We're at a time where our society is being bombarded with all of these messages, deals. Maybe you are here today and, boy, you got such a good one. There's the thrill of the deal won, or maybe the disappointment of the deal lost. Satisfaction in the perfect gift, or maybe you are somebody here who just revels in the challenge of the hunt. Perhaps you have been distracted as of late by the constant stimuli, 50% off, buy one, get one. Perhaps you're here this morning and you find yourself drawn in by the promise, the promise of, of life from the newer version 2.0 or the new convenience or the refreshed and renewed style. We live in a culture that wants to put their faith 
in many things. But God has made us to place our faith ultimately in one thing, Him. Him. Ultimately, our faith needs to be in Him. And in our passage today, we see that that God has given us something, something tangible to put our faith in, and that is the blood of the Lamb. As we look at this passage, we are going to consider three things. One, that God brings to His people a plague that has brought judgment on all. Two, that God has provided a plan to provide rescue from that plague through blood. And lastly, that God expects a faithful response, one in which his people bring him praise, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. God, in this passage, is bringing a plague, a judgment on all. You know, as, as we've marched through the plagues of Egypt, we've arrived now at the tenth plague, the final plague, and, and perhaps you've noticed that this one is a little bit unique. Um, previously, we had seen God bring these nine different plagues upon Egypt in which he struck down and, and demonstrated that, well, the gods of Egypt were not gods at all. There is only one true God, and it is the Lord God, the Creator God. And so he was bringing judgments upon Egypt, such as causing the Nile to turn to blood and showing that the gods of the Nile are not gods, or bringing locusts upon the earth and showing that the gods of the harvest are not the ones in control. They are not gods. And he brought darkness and hail, showing that the gods of the skies or the sun and the moon are not gods. These things are mere creations. There is only one God, and the gods of Egypt are not that. But this plague, the tenth plague, was unique because all of the plagues prior to that fell upon the land of Egypt, but this supernatural and amazing thing happened. The land where Israel dwelt, Goshen, was spared. Darkness was over the land, but not over Goshen. Hail fell upon the crops, but not in Goshen. But this plague was going to fall upon all people. The destroyer was coming for every firstborn, not just the Egyptian firstborns. The destroyer was going to every household, and all would experience death. Why? You see, God had been demonstrating through these plagues that He was the Lord. He is the only God. He is the true God. But in the tenth plague, in the final plague, when the people of God are about to be freed, you know the end of the story, in the final judgment, God changes the script. He says, the angel of death, the destroyer, is coming for every firstborn person and animal, unless, unless what? Unless the blood of the lamb 
is upon the door. God is demonstrating through this plague not only that he is God and that he is Lord over all, but he is showing that there are consequences for sin. And all of us are sinful. It wasn't just Egypt who had failed to obey God. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. God is coming, and with him comes judgment. Judgment for sin. Judgment for trusting in things that are not the Lord. We know that this was true of Egypt. We saw it throughout the chapters as we've been marching through this, but we also saw this happening with Israel. As Moses came to them and declared the words of the Lord, and the Israelites said, Nah, we don't trust you. We don't believe you. We know from future passages that it wasn't just Egypt worshiping idols and false gods. It was Israel as well. And so God, in this final judgment, as he is preparing to bring a people to himself to worship him, that he is bringing a final judgment, a judgment of death. This would be very bad news if we did not have a very good God. A God who brings judgment, but also grace. God had prepared a plan for the people to be saved through blood. This plague, this tenth plague, would fall upon every single household unless they had prepared ahead of time a lamb. They were to take a lamb, they were to gather a lamb, and this was to be for them the beginning, the first of the month of the year for you. It's a new beginning a start and they were to take this lamb and they were to bring it into their home and they were to sacrifice it they were to take that lamb and they were to cover the sides and the top of their door with its blood there's a pattern throughout scripture of God accepting lambs as sacrifices. You know, a natural question might be, why, why a lamb? Like, what is it about sheep? I don't know. But we see this pattern throughout the Scriptures. When Cain and Abel were bringing sacrifices to the Lord, Abel's sacrifice was the acceptable one, a lamb. When Abraham was commanded to bring Isaac up onto the mountain to sacrifice him to the Lord, and God said, stop, it was a lamb, a ram, that was caught in a thicket, and God said, do not strike your son, I have provided you with a sacrifice. Here in our passage, as God is preparing to send a destroyer, a judgment, a plague upon the land because of sin, he tells them to sacrifice a lamb. 
Soon the Israelites are going to be in the wilderness, and as they are in the wilderness, they are going to be instructed in how they are to perform sacrifices, and God establishes what is known as the Day of Atonement. It is a once-a-year ceremony in which the high priest would sacrifice a lamb. Why? For any sin that the people may have committed and didn't even realize In the scriptures, we see over and over and over again that God has chosen a lamb to be the thing that can atone for sin. The word that we use for this, the, you know, $20 word is expiation. Expiation, the extinguishing of sin. It is through the lamb, the sacrifice of a lamb, that sin can be atoned for, that sin can be removed as if it is no more. God commands them that they are to go, they are to take a lamb, and they are to sacrifice it, and they are to paint their doors with blood. Not only does this act remove sin, but it also acts as, here's your next word, as a propitiation. A propitiation, what is that? So expiation is the extinguishing of sin. Propitiation is the satisfaction of wrath. See, God is a just God. God created this world and everything in it, and it was good, and then because of sin and rebellion, it was ruined, or at least broken. And the Lord God, rightfully so, is angry with the violence that has been brought against his good creation. And so there is wrath. And in scriptures, not only do we see that lambs are used for atonement, but we see that blood is necessary for wrath to be satisfied. Why blood? Because that is where the life is. The life is in the blood. And so God must be satisfied. And so on the tenth day, the people were commanded to bring a lamb into their home. And together as a nation, they would sacrifice that lamb on the fourteenth day. You know, it is easy for us to dismiss our sin, to think that it's not a big deal, that it's not something that we ought to really, you know, concern ourselves with. Yeah, I I do some things that are wrong. Maybe I'm trusting in something. It's not really a big deal. It is. It is a very big deal. In fact, it is a deadly deal. And God wants us to understand that we are not to take our sin lightly. I want you to imagine this for a second. You know, at the end of this passage, it talked about children asking their father, why do we do this? And I have in my home right now a pet toad. He's made it this far, got him this summer, still going strong, winter's come. Sometimes my children feed this pet toad, other times it's left to my wife and myself, give him water, nice dirt, keep him going. He's a happy toad. 
what would happen if we brought a lamb into our house and cared for it for four days? What do children do? You grow attached to that lamb, take care of the lamb, play with the lamb. For four days, God commanded them to bring a lamb into their house. And on the last day, they were to take that lamb, they were to grab it by the head, they were to lift it up, take a knife to its throat, cut it open, as its blood poured out all over their home and itself, splattering this red loss of life on this pure, white, without blemish lamb. And the children were told that it's okay to ask, why? Why? Why did the little lamb have to die? This is a very violent, it's a very violent ceremony. And it is one that would leave quite the impression. Can you imagine a child? It's not something you forget. You're not supposed to. There's to be an understanding that the consequence of sin is great. That sin is not something to be made little of. That sin is serious. And that God is angry with sin. And it has a great cost. As we are going through the plagues of Egypt, it's it's simple to, to look at these plagues as purely academic. But these people, they experienced in a very real way, a very real God who was not pleased with their idolatry, who was not pleased with the ways that they were not acknowledging Him or obeying Him. And yet... And yet, although he is a just God and his wrath must be satisfied, he is a loving God. And so he had provided a way out. Said that lambs are kind of a theme in the scriptures. It's a theme that builds. Isaac, one boy. There was a lamb sacrificed for this one boy. We get here to Egypt and we have a lamb per household. A lamb is sacrificed per household to save them from death. Then God establishes a ceremony in which there is an atonement, one lamb for a whole nation. And one day, John the Baptist would see Jesus coming and declare, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see the expansion? God wants his people to understand the seriousness of sin and the plan that he has put in place to save us from it. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. God is a gracious God, a good God, a loving God who wants his people to worship him and enjoy him forever. And so what does he do? He offers grace. The lamb is grace. They don't deserve the lamb. Who provides the lamb? God provides the lamb. When Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, God provided the lamb. When the people of God were under threat because the destroyer was coming, God provided a lamb. And when the whole world is under condemnation because all have sinned, God provides a lamb. Not because we've earned it, but because he is a good God and a gracious God. For it is by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith. You have to paint the door. Trust that God is going to do what he says he will do. If the blood is on the door, you will be spared. The blood covers for the sin in your household. God had instructed the people of God to paint blood on their door, to cover their homes with blood, to act in a way that is faithful to his word, and they did. They did it. It said that the people bowed their heads and worshiped. The people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. They followed his instruction, and they followed it exactly, a faithful response. They had faith that what God had said, that having blood on your door would, in fact, save your family from certain death. But then there's this middle section in which God talks to them about the seven days following the sacrifice of the lamb. And in the seven days following the sacrifice of the lamb, they were to participate in, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. There's actually two things going on in this passage. There's the Passover and then the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, God says, after you slaughter the lamb, after you paint your doorpost, you are to do this thing where you bake bread without yeast. And you are not to work. And you are to spend seven days recognizing this feast in which the only work you will do is the work to prepare the necessary food. The rabbis, the, the Jewish teachers, had an understanding that yeast was symbolic for the corrupting power of sin. A little bit of yeast gets in, spreads everywhere. And so... The people of God were to make unleavened bread, symbolizing both the haste in which they were about to leave slavery, but also holiness. You see, God offers us his lamb as a gracious gift that we are to embrace by faith and paint the doorpost of our home. And, and then what? Well, it should change us. We should live lives of holiness, no longer living for sin, but now being made holy. Live like what you are. 
See, God is establishing this first of the month, this first of the year for the people of God. He's setting their calendar. He's saying, this is the start. This is the beginning. You are leaving slavery. You are no longer going to be enslaved in Egypt. You are going to go into the wilderness. You are going to worship you. I am saving you from certain death through the blood of the Lamb. And now... I want you to remember this and recognize this, and you are going to participate in this eating of bread without yeast, uncorrupted, without sin. When Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples, he was eating the Passover meal. And he goes with his disciples and he's eating the Passover meal and he takes the bread and he says, this is my body. And the cup, this is my blood. And Jesus was telling them what the Passover was really all about. He's the lamb. It's him. God told them that they are to participate in the Passover forever. We still do. It's right here at this table. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away our sin, who cleanses us and makes us holy, removes the yeast from us, asks us, Previously quoted Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Those of you who recognized it, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Tells us in verse 10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You have been saved by grace through faith so that you might walk as a new creation, as holy, a new start, no longer enslaved, but free to worship God fully. And so, God has brought judgment against sin and a gracious plan to be freed from sin and expects us to respond in faith and then live like what we are a new creation, children of God. The Israelites, this hasn't yet happened, and yet, it's kind of odd. Verse 25, And when you come into the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service, and when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt. Past tense. This is what, when your children ask you, why are we doing this? You're going to tell them, because this is what happened already. But it hadn't yet happened. God was telling them, it was certain, this is sure. And the people rejoiced. You know, it, a lot of this stuff, especially if you were new to these ideas, it, it's odd. It seems odd. Blood, lambs, death, sacrifices. Seems a little cultic to me. 
Is it true? Is it real? Yes. You know how we can know? Because the Lamb of God did not stay dead. We know it is real because of the resurrection. You see, Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died, but that was not the end. He was not like the Passover lamb that was eaten and then burned. No, he is alive and he has been seen. Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the new creation, the resurrection of God. He is the firstborn son. He is the son of God who makes it possible for all of us to become children of God. And because the resurrection is real, we can know that this is real and it is true. When Jesus entered into Jerusalem, he was entering on the day when the Passover lambs were entering into the city. And then he had the meal with the people of God and with the disciples. And then he was killed, but that was not the end. For he rose again. What should you place your faith in? Our elder brother, Jesus Christ, the one who loves us. And didn't say, stand there, I'll hit you. He said, I will take the wrath of the Father upon myself for your sin. Trust in me. Trust in me and you will find life, a new life, and it will be good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you have sent your perfect lamb to go to the cross and to die, to be the one that extinguishes, that atones for our sin, and suffers the wrath for our sin. Heavenly Father, help us to place our faith in that. And then to live as a people changed, a people renewed, a people reborn. For God, we know that just as your Son has risen from the dead, we have faith that those who are covered in the blood of the Lamb also will not face death, but will experience life forevermore. Help us to believe and to trust and place our faith in that. In Jesus' name, amen.